Turn with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. We're going to read a few scriptures in Timothy and read one in Ephesians. And um, how many excited about the Word of God? Amen. You know, I, I, I just want to share something with you that I have observed in my uh, life as a Christian and as a student of God's Word that whenever I, you know, I've always been taught you should pray before you read the Word, and I believe you should pray before you read the Word. It's good to have a time of, of worship and, and uh, uh, you know, just praying and seeking God to give you a right mind, and a mind of understanding. And, uh, but I have noticed that whenever I read the Word of God, and then I go to prayer, the things that I begin to read, God begins to deal with my heart about, or He begins to place upon my heart things to pray about, situations, circumstances, things in my own life, things in the church, things in the world, a lot of things. And uh, I just encourage you to pray, read, and pray. Because it just leaps out at you. There's a tenderness. There's something, you know, a faith that comes. And the Word of God tells us that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so that faith will come to give you uh, not only the faith to pray, but uh, will will make what you're praying so potent. It'll make it so rich and so real and so weighty in your life and in your spirit. And so I encourage you in that because that's what I have observed in my walk with God. And, uh, you know, we've been the last few weeks just teaching on grace. And you can put grace before anything that God has done for us, anything in the Bible, the grace of justification, the grace of sanctification, the grace of God's love, the grace of His long-suffering, the grace of His providence. You can put grace anywhere and the Lord said, I just want you to teach on this as I lay it upon your heart and don't deviate it from it unless I tell you to. And so yesterday I was praying and just seeking God and he laid this upon my heart, the grace of intercession, the grace of intercession. It's a powerful thing. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, the scripture says this. He says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, even the ones you don't like. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And I just want you to focus on that first verse, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Then over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says this, and I want you to notice this. this is after all of the Armor of God is taught to us of what to put on. And God will armor you if you pray and ask Him to. He'll armor you. And after that armament, He says, Praying always, in verse 18, 
with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In other words, what I just read to you are two scriptures of exhorts from the great Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus and to Timothy. And he was saying unto them, as a Christian, you need to pray for people and intercede for them. Because it's a grace that God has given unto them, but He's working through you and I. And, of course, even Himself. And so let's pray over the Word and then we'll get right into this. Father, I thank You tonight for the wonderful Word of God. I pray that You will help me to preach and speak, teach whatever You've laid upon my heart. Lord, with effectivity, with anointing, God, with the Spirit of God upon me in life, and God, that we'll learn from this tonight, Lord, and we'll grow in our prayer life, because, Lord, we must lift up the body of Christ and others, Lord, in prayer. You've called us to this, and it's in Your Word. Let us tonight take this exhort and this charge and this command from You, Lord, and take it and and, and willingly accept it, Lord, and be fervent in it, and do it faithfully. And God, will give you all the praise and glory as you help me tonight, Lord, to preach your uncompromised, unadulterated gospel and your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Bless the word. Amen and amen. Preaching grace, uh, the grace of intercession. What is intercession? Well, it is the act of intervening or mediating between differing parties. Particularly in the Word of God, it's the act of prayer for somebody else. You know, years ago, Brother Talbert and I, and many of you know who Brother Talbert is, he preached for many years here and comes periodically. But um, I remember we pulled up to a restaurant and we were sitting in the parking lot and some man walked across and you could tell he was either homeless or he was just very down and out and low. And I remember saying to him, I said, Brother Talbert, look at that poor man right there as he walked past. And um, he said, Brother Skiles, he said, that's any one of us uh, had it not been for the love and the grace of God and His mercy. And he said, but I want to tell you something that just came to my spirit. He said, we had people that prayed for us. He said, but I want you to think about how many people that really don't have anybody lifting them up personally, calling their name out before the Lord. He said, we're a privileged people and we have been graced with godly parents and people in our lives that have prayed for us that we would come to uh, you know, the fullness of what God wants us to become. And he said, but how many people don't have anybody to pray for them? They don't perhaps have parents that are still alive or anybody that is calling out their name. That never left me. That moment when we were sitting there in that parking lot and I thought, Lord, that is a charge and a challenge to me to lift up the names and to call out the names of people in prayer because so many lives depend on what we do. So many lives depend upon how we pray or don't pray. Come on now. Amen. So someone interceding for you is an invaluable spiritual grace. It is the way that God operates and how, how His vessels further 
the work and the will of God and the kingdom of God through intercession. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says when Zion travails, in other words, when the people of God travail, children are born into the kingdom. There's great, great blessing that comes when people pray and intercede. It's the, it's the way God operates and He uses people, His vessels, to further the work and the will of God in the kingdom. From the beginning, this is how it's been. It's been the pattern in the Bible. The Old Testament heroes that we read about, Moses and Abraham and, and, and David and Daniel and different ones, they all were heroes of the faith and they're written in the book of Hebrews. But they, they were heroes because they were people of intercessory prayer. They were men that and women even that stepped in and made up that hedge and filled in that gap and they, they made a difference and they saw the furthering of God's will and His predestined plan down through the portals of time in the book, uh, the, the Word of God in the Bible that we read. I've read today and just thought about some of the Old Testament intercessors. Abraham interceded for Lot not once but twice. He prayed and God began to give him that word of intercession and what he was called to do to deliver him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, we've all got friends or somebody, somebody we know, a family member, somebody that's caught up in a lust or a bondage. They've left the faith or they never came in the first place, but they're at a place where they need deliverance. And I can tell you, it's going to take somebody that has enough love for them to intercede and to pray that God would rescue them and He'll give you the answer. Amen. And it's in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But Abraham prayed for Abimelech or Himelech, whichever one it was. He also began to pray many times and God began to use him. Moses, just the same. For the children of Israel, he marched right up to Pharaoh from an intercessory time of prayer at a burning bush and he said, God said, the great I am, let my people go. Amen. He was a great intercessor. It wasn't an easy process. He had to watch a lot of things happen. He suffered a lot of persecution, but he was an intercessor in prayer. Not only did he do that, but at the foot of, the, of, of Mount Sinai, as the children of Israel who saw God move miraculously were dancing around a golden calf, naked, he began to intercede and he began to call out to God for mercy, that he would have mercy upon the children of Israel, his heritage. He even said in another time, God, blot out my name out of your book if you'll not forgive them. I don't even want to be in your book. That's how much of a passion he had for the people of God. We wonder why God used him in such a way because of his heart, church, tonight. It was because of the heart that he had for God and God's people and God's name and God's glory. Hallelujah. As we read this, you see, down through the, the Word of God, Samuel interceded for Israel. In fact, Samuel said it'd be a sin if I didn't pray for Israel. It'd be a sin if I 
I didn't call out as the, as the under-shepherd or the prophet and the judge of Israel if I didn't cry out to God for them. Even Saul, after God rejected him, he was crying and interceding for Saul. And God began to say to him, don't weep over Saul no more. I've rejected him from being king over Israel and found me a man with a heart after my own heart. Amen. So we know he had a heart for God and God's people. David interceded many times for the children of Israel and the kingdom of God. He interceded for a baby that God said was not going to live, but he still held out hope that perhaps maybe, maybe God might begin to turn, repent, and leave a blessing. But he didn't. God said, just as I said it was going to be, is how it is. The baby won't live, but get up from here and keep on going, David. It's a consequence for your sin. Solomon asked God to hear the prayers of the sinful people and hear them. Would you hear them, God, even though they've sinned? Please, I'm interceding for them. Solomon was saying, please hear your people. The, first, the, the list goes on and on and on. Hezekiah began to pray and place that letter, that Sennacherib, however you say his name, from Assyria, began to place out before him in Isaiah 37, 14 through 20. I want to read this because it will really stir your heart tonight. And how many needs to be stirred? But in Isaiah 37, verse 14, the Bible says this. It says this in the Word of God. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up unto the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. And he prayed unto the Lord saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel that dwells between the cherubims that art the God, thou that art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear, open thine eyes, O Lord, and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, uh, which hath sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their countries, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. But he said, Now therefore, O Lord God, our God, save Save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. I heard a preacher as he began to share about how that, uh, that Assyria, they begin to have in front of the entrance of their, of their city, they had a mound, a pyramid of skulls on both sides of the entrance of the city. In Nineveh, there was a pile of bones of skulls on both both sides that this wicked king began to go through the whole known world at that time and began to conquer one kingdom after another after another he was a wicked king he was wicked and did that and he had his eyes set upon Jerusalem and there was a wall around Jerusalem and oh Hezekiah got the word and the word was Sennacherib is coming for you he's coming for Jerusalem Jerusalem 
And so, you know, every other nation served an idolatrous God. But Hezekiah said, you're the only true, one true God there is that's alive. And he spread out that letter and said, this is what that wicked king has said. What am I going to do about this? And God began to give his response at the intercession of Hezekiah. The Bible says this. Amen. you got to go on down to verse 36. He talked about in the, the, the previous verses as we were reading about how that yes, he may have done these things. This is what God was saying through Isaiah to Hezekiah. Yes, that king may have. He may have done a lot of things, but let me tell you something, Hezekiah. He said, the angel of the Lord in verse 36. Well, let me back up here just a little bit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I want to I read it. Uh, and the Bible says, the Bible says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord in verse 33, concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David. David's sake. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrach, his god, that Adaramelech and Sherezer, his sons, smote him with the sword and they escaped into the land of Armenia and uh, Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his stead. So what happened was because of the intercession of Hezekiah, the great king, the great reformer, the man who loved God, lived for God, served God, and, and, and instituted the word of God, he placed out that letter before God and he said this is the problem and God said I'm going to step in because you brought it to me in prayer and he said there's not going to be one shot even shot at Jerusalem there's not going to be a shot at the wall there's not going to be any attack that's going to come to Jerusalem and we know the angel of the Lord went and smote in one night 185,000 men and an army went to sleep and the next morning woke up dead Wow, are you all excited? That's like saying God took out a whole army. Not like saying it, it is. By one man's intercession, the enemy of God was completely removed. Well, pastor, that's a lot of men that died. That's tragic. So were all the skulls that were piled up in front of Nineveh. Amen. There's a lot of things. Amen. God will... Be just, and He will avenge the blood that's been shed. All I can tell you is this. That's not my message tonight. My message is that one man interceded, and God heard him. And the enemy that came to threaten him, to cause him to shake in his boots, and his knees to knock together, he didn't fear. He went to the Lord, and he said, this is what 
that old rotten king said, and God said, well, this is what I'm going to say. Let me tell you something. God has the last word. Hallelujah. You got an obstacle in your life. You got a problem in your life. You got a mountain before you. You can intercede and pray, and that mountain can be removed. Amen. But I've prayed, Pastor, and nothing happened. Keep on praying. Amen. Keep on praying. Hallelujah. Keep on praying. Hallelujah. Jesus prayed over a man that was blind. He said, what do you see? He said, well, I see men as trees now. He said, well, let me pray again. Amen. So he prayed again. He said, now what do you see? I see men as men. Just keep praying till God brings the answer. <laughs> One man's prayer turned the situation around. 185,000 Man army died in one night. God puts a premium on intercession prayer and intercessory prayer, I meant to say. And all the patriarchs were shadows or types of Jesus' office. But we know that Isaiah 59, I was reading this today and I've read it before, but the Bible says in Isaiah 59 verse 16, it says that he, and when he saw, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. Reading that, I thought, Lord, you are the great intercessor the patriarchs were just types and shadows of what was to come. You are the ultimate intercessor and we're your body and we intercede too. Amen. But I'm going to get to that in just a second. But God puts a premium on intercessory prayer. Now hear me. The Bible says that He said, I looked and I saw and I wondered. He was amazed. There's nobody to intercede. God wants us to know He he wants us to intercede. But when man wouldn't do what he was supposed to do or called to do, God raised up an intercessor. Amen. And in Isaiah 53, the Bible says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and, acqu and acqu acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Does this sound like anybody you know tonight? Amen. This was Jesus. This was Jesus. It says, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Verse 4, Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but He was wounded. Amen. He didn't go to that cross just to go to the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Amen. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Thank God. Amen. Jesus hung on a cross. He was beaten. He was smitten for you and I. He took the punishment so we didn't have to. Amen. But thank God He was wounded for our transgressions. Thank God the, the chastisement that comes to us. He exchanged that for peace for us. <laughs> it said he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Verse 7. Yet he opened not his mouth. 
He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judge. This is the whole night of the crucifixion right here in Old Testament form or prophecy. Taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now listen. These two final verses is where I wanted to go to prove a point of Jesus being the intercessor. It says, therefore... I'm sorry, he shall see of the travail of his soul, God would, and shall be satisfied. He's satisfied with the sacrifice, he accepted it. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Are you justified tonight? You're in that number. For he shall bear their iniquities or their sins. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. That's you and I. Amen. You and I tonight, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, two thieves, one on each side. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do on the cross. So God chose his son. The intercessor. Jesus is the great intercessor according to the Old Testament. He interceded for Peter, did he not? Did he not say, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. He didn't say, I'm praying to take you out of the storm or out of the trial. Everybody wants to be removed out of the trial, but what good is that going to do you? You're not going to learn anything. You're not going to learn about God's grace, His love, His mercy, His power. You're not going to learn about intercession. Everything we go through is in the will of God. Just embrace it and accept it. It's in the will of God. God is doing something in me. Don't, don't say He's doing something in somebody else. He's doing something in me. Amen. He's doing something in me. But he's the great intercessor and he interceded for Peter. He interceded in the New Testament in John chapter 17. We say the Lord's Prayer, you know, uh, 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 when we quote the Lord's Prayer, it's not the Lord's Prayer. I believe the Lord's Prayer is John 17. Amen. That's when Jesus prayed. (laughs) That was really the Lord's Prayer. But our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really our prayer unto the Lord. But Jesus interceded in John 17. It was a whole chapter on prayer. All red. It's beautiful. Anytime you see red in the Bible, you know it's Jesus speaking. Amen. But His death removed sin. Jesus's. His resurrection gave life to those who believe in Him. His ascension brought His exaltation to power in heaven and in earth. What is that supposed to mean, Pastor? We serve an exalted Savior. One 
that said, all, heaven, all power under heaven and earth is given unto me, and greater things shall you do. Greater things than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. I'm going to dispatch the Holy Spirit, and He's going to empower you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. Amen. He's the great intercessor. We are intercessors too. Because we're part with Him. We're in His body. We are His body. Amen. We are His body. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Skiles will go down to the bank. I'm the head signer on the account. But I can tell you, she can do anything she wants with that account because we're one. She's not going to go in there and drain the bank account. I hope not. Amen. She's not going to do that. But... We're one. So my signature is her signature. She said, you ain't signed a payroll check in years. Amen. They don't even think your signature is your signature. It's my signature of you. But we're one. See? She'll, she's not going to act independent of me. We're one. Amen. We do things together. And so I'm, you know, that's the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. He's the groom. That's the way it's set up. And we come together. We're one. Amen. That's how life comes. Praise God. We have the life of Christ in us. It's, it's, it's just, just like it is in the natural, but it's a spiritual thing and a spiritual understanding. But reading all of this, the Holy Spirit was dispatched after Jesus died, rose, was exalted he said as soon as I'm glorified he's going to send the Holy Spirit the comforter unto you and, and, and he, it was given unto those who desire him do you desire the Holy Ghost tonight because God wants to give you the gift and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all the things you see everybody else do God will give you the power to do but you got to come the same way amen his office, Jesus is of great high priest, is that of intercessor. Hebrews 7.25 said, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come, that come unto Him, come unto God by Him. Let me read that again. I can't read my own handwriting sometimes. Amen. But He said, He is able, Hebrews 7.25, He is able also to save them to the uttermost. God said, stop there. He said, I don't just save my people. I save them to the uttermost. I don't just want to free you and deliver you from sin and the penalty of it and the shame of it and the guilt of it, but I want to free you from it to live a life for me so that you'll do more than just sit on a church chair and say, Jesus saved me. Well, yeah, praise God, He saved me too, but we got to do something for the kingdom of God. Amen. He said, I want to save you to the uttermost. He saves us to the uttermost by giving us a heart and a desire desire to live a holy life a pure life he puts in our heart a care and a compassion and a concern for the soul of man that's lost without God that's the heart of God that's the heart of an intercessor and he said I save to the uttermost him or they that come unto God by Christ Jesus seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's the Bible. He ever liveth. 
to make intercession for you. He intercedes on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. He interceded and said, I will pray the Father. He'll send you and give you another comforter. Jesus' intercession is a huge part in our faithfulness and our spiritual progress. Romans 8.34 says this. You can read it with me. You can read it with me. Amen. Romans 8 and 34. Listen to this. It says, Who is he that condemneth? Have you ever felt condemned? I've felt condemned. I've felt condemned by the devil. I've felt condemned even within myself. I've felt condemned by people. Sometimes the people that are not that are the greatest in the church seem to give you the greatest headache and condemnation. But let me tell you something tonight. The Bible says, Who is he that condemneth? Question mark. What he's saying is it ain't God. It's not God. Amen. For there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not in the flesh, but, after, but in the Spirit, who walk in the Spirit, and they don't fulfill the lust of their flesh. But he says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. <laughs> intercession is something that is continually going on on our behalf by our Savior. You know, I, I, this is just the way that I perceive it, and I, you know, I'm not going to act like I'm the authority and I'm this great theologian. I'm a student of the Word of God and I know enough to know that if His mercies are new every morning, that means every day is a new day. Every day there's a new attack that's going to come from the enemy and God gives us all the graces we need, all the spirit we need. If we'll take in the Word, we'll have everything that we need. But every day Jesus is interceding for us. Every day. He's making intercession for the saints, for us. That's what it says two different times in the Bible. We are being interceded for by Christ Jesus. And I believe that, you know, there's a, there's a doctrine or a belief that teaches you just, you just, you know, you get saved and that's it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's not it. There's always more. There's more. It's a walk in the Spirit. And every time you're walking in the Spirit, and the Bible talks about how that there's a, there's a groaning down deep within you. You know, as I walk in the Spirit, when I do something that God's not pleased with, He's convicting me. Amen. He's convicting me. He's saying, Father, dispatch that Holy Spirit to begin to deal with Jonathan. Dispatch that Holy Spirit to minister to this situation, that situation. Whenever I'm heavy laden, it may not be sin, but it's something I'm going through. It's a, it's a trial I'm going through and it's a heavy trial I've been there where I just laid in that chair and wept and the seat was wet from the tears of weeping before God and he began to minister to me I could feel the presence of God come down and the wonderful God the wonderful Savior amen that took the chastisement upon him to bring me peace begins to unleash that or release that begins to impart that to me and I come up from that altar amen saying I've been there God's touched me I feel so wonderful I've got a peace I didn't have five minutes ago 
Isn't God so good? One of the hidden gems of the proof of the triune God, the Trinity, is the very fact that Jesus intercedes to the Father. Amen. Just people say, it's not there. It's there. It's there. Well, if it doesn't say it specifically, then it's not there. Let me tell you something. Rapture's not specifically spelled out in the Bible, but it's there. He's catching his church away. People say, well, if it's not there, I don't believe it. Well, is anybody in here grandparents? Well, people that say, I, you know, I'm a grandparent. Well, let me tell you something. Grandparents are not in the Bible, so you don't exist. I'm going to tell you, I exist. I'm a grandfather, and I love it. I've waited many years, not many years, but several years to be a grandpa. Amen. I prayed many times and interceded many hours and said, God, give me a grandbaby. He gave me two. Amen. He gave me two. He said, I'll give you two in one year. Amen. He did. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, Pete Spackman. And when Kyle and Priscilla took in Lily and they began to just take her as their own daughter, she's our granddaughter, she's our life. And Pete Spackman said, and I believe it was prophetic, he said, oh, it won't be long, you'll have your own here very shortly. It wasn't a month or two later, Priscilla said, we're going to have a baby. I said, oh, Pete Spackman's a prophet. But the greatest gem, I think of, the triune God, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost as the Godhead is right here in the fact that Jesus is interceding for you and I. Why would he need to intercede to himself? Okay? He is God. He's part of the Godhead. He's seated at the right hand of the throne, but there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. He is our mediator. He is the go-between, the middleman. The Bible says that in Timothy, there's one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Not anybody else, not a preacher, not a priest, not Mary, not Buddha, not Hare Krishna, not anybody else. Not Sung Mung Un, amen, nobody but Jesus. He's the only mediator. He's the only mediator. And we learn from our Savior about intercessory prayer. And God is not cruel. Or toying with us to, en to engage in an exercise of futility or an exercise of something that is to no avail. He's not going to tell us to intercede and then, you know, act as if he's not going to answer our prayers. So we've got to know that in faith when we come, we must come in faith believing that he's a God who answers people that pray. And his word declares that intercession is profitable. And it works. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I've tried it. We had a, 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 this was some time ago, but there was somebody, we were having morning fasting and prayer for a week. Morning and evening. Church was open. And I come in one morning and I just begin to weep. There was somebody in the church I was praying for. I said, God, I said, I'm just, I just want to see them grow and mature and move further in you and the things of God. And 
I said, place that hunger down within him. A burden come over me. And I sat there for some time and just knelt there and prayed and wept and cried over that person. You know, I didn't really give it any thought. The next day I come in, I'm sitting in the chair up there behind the piano praying. I look up and that person was sitting in the morning prayer at 6 o'clock. I thought, look at God. He said, I heard you. And I dropped that thought and I went to that person. I said, it's so good to see you. I said, I just, something just came over me. I just felt like I want to be closer to God. And so I'm going to need to go to prayer because pastor called us to prayer. And so I'm going to go. And here I am. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, God got a hold of you. I didn't say that to him. I said it to myself. I just said, so glad to see you come every morning, 6 o'clock. They were here several times, praying, seeking the face of God, as I recall. But intercession is profitable. It works. It's what we're called to do. Paul multiple times spoke of prayer for the saints. He spoke of prayer for the saints. I'm going to read these real quickly because I want to read them to you so you see them in his salutations. But Romans 1 and 9, it says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Ephesians 1, 15. Ephesians 1, 15. Glory to God. Ephesians, I'll get there. Amen. I got a Bible that's big print. And it takes three chapter, or one chapter takes three or four pages, so... You know, Ephesians 1, 15, the Bible says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith, Paul said to the Ephesians, In the Lord Jesus, and the love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Uh, and also in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 14 of Ephesians, this is what it says. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. Amen. In Philippians, he says this, just right after Ephesians. Philippians 1.3 I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Colossians uh, uh, 1, 3 through 4, and then also uh, chapter 4, Colossians 4. I'm sorry, Colossians 1. I'm reading two different places. Colossians 1, verses 3 through 4. He says, we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. I'm reading these, and there's many more of the Apostle Paul interceding. Intercession is taught us from Old Testament, Christ the great intercessor, and we are to be His hand extended as intercessors in prayer. We have to be reminded of that because I'm going to tell you why. Because we get caught up in my four and no more. You get down and you pray for your family and your situation and your circumstances. And then you worship a little bit and then you get up and you ain't called anybody's name out but just your family and your situation. God is calling us as people in this final hour to intercede.
There's so many people that are lost and hurting. They're bound. It's our duty. It's our privilege. And it's our call to intercede. And we're, listen as I close with this, because I want you to get this. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, you as my body, as my children that I have birthed, you are partnering and cooperating in the furthering of the things of God. He doesn't need us, but He uses us. That's the way He set it up. And we're partnering and cooperating in covenant with God. Think about that, in covenant with God to further His will in, uh, in their lives. It's His grace flowing through us to other people. And I always know when God is interceding through me in prayer because I feel this groan in my spirit and I feel this in my heart. And God begins to, to sh- He shows us that in Romans. He said there will be intercession, you know, that, that is in the spirit that cannot be uttered. It's a groan. Sometimes you'll hear people, they're down there, they're weeping and groaning in their heart over something in their spirit. It's the spirit of God interceding through them. Maybe you can audibly say the things, but sometimes it's just a brokenness. Have you ever been broken over somebody? You're weeping over them. There's somebody right now that I've known for a long time that, uh, you know, that was serving God at one time, and, and, and they've taken a total road into a life of, of sin. It's known sin. They know that. They know it's wrong, but they're doing it, and they're living in it. And God said, You've got to get on your knees and you've got to pray because the route that they're going is a bondage that'll make you have a reprobate mind, a mind that cannot believe God anymore. We're sitting in this church tonight, all of us, because somebody interceded for us. You're here because somebody interceded. I can tell you, Tom, your dad grieved and wept and cried over you. He prayed over you. He wept over you. Every one of us sitting in here, somebody prayed for you. Somebody called out your name and interceded. That's why you're here. Folks, intercession is a grace. It's a grace unto you when you need it. And it's a grace that you give when somebody else needs it. Let us please not be selfish. Let us pray and believe God for those that need an intercessor. And God will begin to move. You watch. He'll begin to move. Amen. Evie, you sit here tonight many nights. Many people prayed. And you're here. You're an answer to prayer. And you know what? To see you and watch God restore you. And know your heart and where God's brought you. How it's come full circle. I just rejoice. I rejoice. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here. Because people cried and wept and interceded. And the Lord said there's a seed down deep within her. And let me tell you something, Jonathan. He said you need to pray over her and intercede. But there's a seed down there. And he said where there's enough water that's poured on that seed. In prayer, water it.
He said, it will come up again. Amen. And Evie told me, she said, there wasn't a time that God wasn't dealing with me. Amen. Many times we throw it off, but God, I'm telling you, he's long-suffering. Amen. So the times you're praying and you're saying, are they ever going to come around? God said, be long-suffering. Amen. Have that spirit of long-suffering. Intercede for them because you never know one day they're going to walk through the doors and God's going to get a hold of them. Amen. We used to sing a song. I close with this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to share the words. <clears throat> but it was one of the first songs I ever learned in church. And it was somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They sacrificed their time. They fell down on their knees and prayed for me. They had no doubt that God would bring me out. That he would change my life and set me free. I'm so glad. That someone prayed for me. Tonight, maybe you want to thank God before we leave for someone interceding for you. Maybe tonight before you leave, you want to pray for somebody and intercede for them for just a moment. Maybe you just want to thank God that He's interceding for you. Whatever, tonight, I think we need to leave here and not just cut it off and walk out the door. But we need to stand to our feet and we need to begin to either thank God, pray for somebody, call their name out unto God. I can tell you, because He hears us. They may not hear, but He hears us and He will make them hear and touch their heart, touch their mind. He's faithful. It's His grace. It's His grace. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you tonight. And before we leave this place, I just pray that each and every person tonight, Lord, will in some way, shape, or form take what I preach tonight in this message. And Lord, that they will let it operate in their lives and operate in, in tonight that the promissory note of your, of your word will be cashed in the altar or presented before you, Lord, tonight. I ask you, God, to do this in, in each and every one tonight, however, in whatever way, Lord, you see fit through them. Just touch them tonight, we ask you in Jesus' most holy name.